Good morning. Good morning. You know, we, we protect the things that we value, and that is why we tend to put locks on our doors, on our, on our homes. You know, I don't, I don't tend to think a whole lot about the locks on my doors at, at home because we have lived for, for quite a few years in areas that I don't really consider, like, you know, scary or, you know, we just don't feel a lot of danger like we're going to get broken into. But that has not always been the case. So early on in our marriage, we lived in North Dallas, and we had a, our first child was very, very young, less than a year old, and we were living in this rental house. And one Friday night, we went to bed, we had just fallen asleep, and all of a sudden we hear this banging on the door, on the front door. And so we're like, man, what in the world, you know, who could this be? And so we kind of walk out, and we're looking through the window, and we realize we have no idea who this person is. And they're just banging and banging, let me in, let me in. And I'm thinking, you know, my last name is Wolf, and I'm thinking, that's my line that I'm supposed to be saying. <laughs> but he's out there for real, like banging on the door, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, what do, what do we do? You know, what, what is this guy's intention? And, and I never felt, I never really thought that much about the lock on the door, but I'm thinking, man, I sure hope this lock holds. And I'm thinking, this door seems all of a sudden really flimsy, and there's only like inches separating me from this guy, whoever, what, you know, what's going on in his mind. And as we kept watching him and, and seeing how he's interacting, it became clear that uh, he had had, you know, some of the fruit of the vine or the barley or something, you know, earlier that day. And he was, I mean, he was drunk or high or something. And so he's just banging on the door. And what we kind of put together uh, as we are watching all this unfold is, you know, most of the houses look pretty much the same in that neighborhood. He was coming home from doing who knows what and thought he was going to his house when in fact, it's like he's at our house. And so eventually he gave up and turned back out, went out to the sidewalk and went on and presumably found his house somewhere, you know, later that evening. So, but I, you know, standing on the other side of that door, I'm thinking, how important is it to have that lock, have that door? Because you don't know what the intention is. You know what this guy might do if he gets through the door. You know, my wife does something similar in, in our kitchen when, when she's cooking, and my wife is a fantastic cook. She has many, many wonderful qualities. One of the ones that I appreciate so much is that she, she makes great food. I tell her kids all the time, you need to appreciate the fact that your mom makes great food. So, but when she is dealing in particular with chicken, with raw chicken, okay, she becomes very diligent to protect us from the germs of the raw chicken. And so she's like putting on a hazmat suit. She's got gloves. I mean, she's like, when she's done dealing with the chicken, she's like bleaching everything. You know, we got to protect ourselves from the germs. Because when she was a girl, she got food poisoning one time. And she's like, man, I never want to go through that again. I don't want anybody in my family to ever go through that again. So we've got to protect ourselves from these germs getting into our bodies and doing, you know, wreaking havoc. So we tend to be careful about what we allow into our homes or into our bodies. But the question for us this morning is, how careful are we about what we allow into our minds? How careful are we about what we allow through that doorway into our minds? And the question I have for you this morning is, how much do you think about what you think about? Proverbs 23, verse 7 in, in the old King James says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As we think, as what goes on in our minds, that leads to and fleshes itself out in the rest of our life 
and our, and our, our emotions, our relationships, our actions, it all starts in our mind. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, how much do you think about what you think about? So using your mind for a moment here this morning, I want to ask you to imagine your mind as a room. Um, now, we've got an empty room up on the screen. I'm sure your, your room is not empty, but just, you know, it's, it's a room, and imagine it's got a door on it, which is the entryway into your mind. And so the question is, what do you allow through that doorway? And when it comes through the doorway, how long do you allow it to stay? What are the things that you allow into your, your mind? Some, some people seem to have no doors, no locks, no protection at all on their minds. And some people actually seem to feel like they're, they're at the mercy of whatever idea, thought just pops into their mind. It's just, well, I'm, I'm helpless and here it comes and so I've, you know, I'm not sure what to do with it and I'm just kind of at its mercy. But what I want us to see this morning is that that's not true. And then we have a lot of choice over what is coming through our minds. And so we want to look this morning at the why and the how of guarding and protecting this amazing gift that God has given us in, in our minds. I think some people think when they come into church that they're supposed to turn their minds off and it's all about faith. But really, God calls us to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind and so that's what we're going to focus on here this morning. And the why of protecting our mind is so crucial because our minds are so powerful and lead to really everything else in our lives. I mean, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as what, what starts in our minds fleshes itself out in every other area of our life, it's so powerful. And, and sometimes we, we think, we look at our lives and we see a wreck around us in our circumstances, our relationships, and everything is a mess. And we fail to connect the dots that what's going on around us is, is really just an outgrowth, an outflow of what has started in our minds. That's not to say that things don't happen to us that are out of our control. They absolutely do. But what happens in our minds has everything to do with how we respond to our situations and whether we do respond in faith and what God has showed us or if we're just responding based out of negative thoughts and things that aren't even true. So we're going to look this morning at how do we discern what is true, what is false, and how do we guard this powerful instrument that God has given us in our minds. So if you would take a Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there are some there on your seats. There's some white ones, and it's on page 1071, 2 Corinthians 10. We're in this series about loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And so two weeks ago, we began this series talking about how to love God with all of our heart and loving him with an undivided heart. And, and asking him for a new heart, to create in us a new heart. Last week, Jay talked to us about loving God with all of our soul, that natural part of us that has inclinations that aren't always in the direction of God. How do we love God with all of our soul? And today, we're going to talk about how do we love God with all of our mind? How do we, if, if we think of our minds as a room, how do we clean those rooms out from the junk that doesn't need to be in there? And how do we protect it from any new things coming in that, that could damage us. So the big idea this morning that kind of overarches everything else we're going to talk about is, is this. 
simply to think about what you're thinking about. Because a lot of times we don't, we don't really give any intentional thought to it. We just, you know, we just think and it's just up there. But we want to think about what we're thinking about so that we can think better and offer all of our minds to honor God. So we're going to learn this morning from the Apostle Paul, who was a brilliant man, had a brilliant mind. So the Apostle Paul wrote almost half of the New Testament. And if, if you look at your New Testament and split it in half, you'll find that the first half of the New Testament is all a chronicle of what Jesus did, what he came, what he said, what he did, what he accomplished, who he healed. And most notably, what he accomplished was to give his life as a sacrifice for us so that our sins could be forgiven. We're going to celebrate that in a few moments in communion. But so the first half of the New Testament is all about what Jesus did. The second half, then, the rest of the New Testament, is about the implications of, well, if that's what Jesus did, what, how does that impact my life? And how do I live my life differently in light of what Jesus has accomplished for me? And so Paul wrote most of that section of the Bible to explain to us what are the implications of what Jesus accomplished for us. Brilliant man, so brilliant that 2,000 years later, we are studying what he wrote. And so many of us would respect Paul today, but not everybody respects Paul today. And certainly not everybody respected Paul in his day. And that's kind of the context for what we're, we're reading here this morning is Paul experiencing opposition and being falsely accused and, and misunderstood. And so let's pick this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2. Paul writing to this church in the city of Corinth, he says, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. Okay, so pause there for a second. He's, he's being accused of walking according to the flesh, meaning that you're just, you're just walking according to your own selfish desires. You're just trying, you're just in this for yourself. And so Paul is being accused. This is Paul who, like, is putting his life on the line time after time after time. He's being beaten, is being interrogated, thrown into jail. He's putting his life on the line, and these people are accusing him of walking according to the flesh. You're just doing this for yourself. Which on its, in itself, you're like, really? Like, that's kind of crazy. Why would I be doing this for myself? But, and, and isn't it true that so many times when we're accused of something, that we go into this mode, at least I do, this mode of, well, now I need to defend myself. Now I need to explain to you why what you just said about me is wrong. See, this is a mind game. This is what's going on inside of our minds. And so sometimes someone will accuse you of something, accuse me of something. Here's what I do. I don't know what you do. When somebody accuses me of something that's not true, I start having a conversation with them in my mind. I start explaining to them why what they said is wrong. And so here, here's what is really true. And then I fill in what you're going to say back to me in, in my mind. So here's what your response is going to be to what I said. And then here's what I'm going to say back to you, which is much wittier and much smarter than what you just said, because what you just said is really dumb. And so I'm just going to go back and forth and back and forth and have this conversation and waste all of this emotional, mental energy for, for no benefit. 
And Paul, see what we're going to see is Paul doesn't get sucked into any of that. And what Paul does, what Paul teaches us now in these next several verses is useful to us, whether you're being accused, misunderstood, whatever the mind game is for you, whatever is difficult about you in cleaning out your mind, Paul is going to give us some help now in these next few verses. So, In verse 3, he says, though we walk in the flesh, and I just want to point out that he just countered, he did counter something that they just said, because they said you're walking according to the flesh. He says, I'm walking in the flesh. There's a big difference. Walking according to the flesh would mean I'm walking selfishly, I'm walking, I'm kind of letting my flesh drive everything. He says, no, I'm walking in the flesh. Yes, I'm in a human body. I'm a human being. I'm not walking according to the flesh, though. I'm walking in the flesh. But he says, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5. We destroy arguments. Now listen for the language of the mind. We're in the realm of the mind now. Verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we are very clearly in the realm of the mind here because we're talking about arguments, we're talking about opinions, we're talking about knowledge, and we're talking about thought. But what we see here, and I just want to point out three like really pretty basic, simple truths that come out of these verses. The first one of which, your mind is a battlefield. Your mind is a battlefield. See, many times we, we don't realize that. And, and so we just kind of go on our merry way. We think our mind is just a room. We, and, and we think it's kind of, you know, neither here nor there, what comes in, what goes out. But actually our minds are a battlefield. And our, the, the battle of our lives is won and lost in our mind. Because our mind is the beginning of what we feel, what we choose to do, what our will is. And so it all starts there. And Paul says, he, he uses the language of the mind, and he also uses the language of warfare. I mean, surely you caught that as we're reading through this. Verse 3, we, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare. And then he talks about destroying strongholds. Verse 5, we destroy arguments. We take every thought captive. This is the language of warfare. And so it would actually be a lot simpler if our minds were like a room. But unfortunately, that's a little bit too simple. Our minds are more like a battlefield. And if you've ever been to visit a battlefield, you know that the boundary lines on a battlefield are not always really clear. If you've ever been to Gettysburg or Antietam or any of those places to visit a, a battlefield, you know that when the battle starts, nobody goes out like with a spray paint can and like marks off the boundaries of the battlefield. I mean, the boundaries of the battlefield only become clear in retrospect because they're just, you're just fighting the battle and you're in the middle of it and it just spreads out and it goes here, there and everywhere. And that's really kind of the way it is in our minds. It's, it can be overwhelming at times, but our minds are a battlefield And secondly, the thing that we see here is that your battlefield has strongholds. So in verse 4, Paul says there's divine power to destroy strongholds. What is a stronghold? Another way to translate that word is fortress. So a stronghold is something that has been built up so carefully, so solidly, that it seems like it's invincible. 
it seems like it's sitting there and it's, it's kind of, and, and we're talking about the realm of our minds. So we're thinking about a belief that is so solidly in your mind that it just seems like this, this must be true. It's always been there. I've always believed it. It just is solid. It can't come down. It's a, it's a stronghold. It's a fortress. And so some of us, like for Paul, so Paul has someone coming against him, misunderstanding him, accusing him of false motives. That could easily begin to plant a stronghold in his mind if he let it. That could begin to be built up. Well, and he might start to question himself. Well, maybe, maybe I really am selfish. Maybe I am really a bad person. Maybe I'm really doing this for the wrong reason. And he might begin to get absorbed in that thought and it begins to sink deeper and deeper and take root. And before long, other thoughts start to accumulate to it and the, that fortress begins to build stronger and stronger to the point where it's hard to even discount that anymore. And before long, Paul is saying, uh, nobody likes me, everybody hates me. I'm just going to go eat worms and I'm not going to serve Christ anymore. I, I can't do that because I have terrible motives. And look, it's true. And, and, and so you build up this fortress and this stronghold, and it seems like it's true. Some of you have strongholds and fortresses in your lives from things that people have spoken over you. It may have been decades ago. Some of you haven't even been alive for decades yet. So maybe it's years ago. People have spoken things over you. They've spoken over you that you're ugly, that you're lazy, that you're worthless, that you're stupid. And some of those words are so powerful because they, they come through the doorway of our lives and they, they start to take root and other things start to pile on top of it and we start to believe it and it becomes a belief system and it becomes a stronghold. And it's, we look at that thing and it's like, man, it's always been there. It's never been any different. And we start to just accept it as this, I guess this is just the way life is. And this is just the way truth is. And I've just got to work around it and I've got to deal with it. And Paul says, here's the, here's the third thing that I want you to see. Paul says, there's good news. God is stronger than the stronghold. God is stronger than whatever strong. I almost said for this point, I almost said God is stronger than your stronghold. But then I thought that's not true because it's not your stronghold. Release your ownership of that lie and say this is a stronghold that got planted here ultimately through the work of our spiritual enemy and it's not mine anymore and God is stronger than this stronghold and it can come down just the way it went up one thought at a time. See that's what we see in verse 5. He says we destroy arguments and what? Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive. So thoughts and words that are spoken over us, they come in one thought, one word at a time, and they're broken down one word at a time. Now, be, let's be very, very clear here whose power is, is at work. Because in verse 4 he says, the weapons of our warfare have divine power to destroy strongholds. Okay, if you try to come against your stronghold and your lies with human logic, human reasoning, human psychology, if you come against that with human weapons, it will not come down because they don't have the power to do that. Only God has divine power to destroy strongholds. And, and what destroys the strongholds is his truth. 
is his knowledge. We see that in verse 5. The arguments and the lofty opinions are raised against what? The knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is everything that God knows to be true. So the knowledge of God is everything, it's the basis of knowledge that God knows to be true about himself, about you, about the people around you, about history, about the way the world works. The knowledge of God is what is true. And he has revealed to us what is true here And so the way we combat what is not true, what is lies, what is strongholds in our lives, is we come against that with the truth that God has said. See, the the way the enemy works, the way he has always worked, is to come against the knowledge of God. The very first scene we see Satan in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, he is coming against the knowledge of God. He is questioning what God has said. He said, did God really say that you're not supposed to eat from any tree in the garden? Well, no, that's not what God said at all. He said you can eat from every tree in the garden except for one. But he's coming against the knowledge of God. And then he pushes that further. And and he says, well, I have to look it up to see what he says in Genesis chapter 3. So, And this is a good idea to go back and see. He he says... um, If you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that's that's pushing against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is you're already as much like God as he wants you to be. You're made in his image. That's as much like God as he wants you to be. The, The enemy comes against and says, you will not surely die. And so he just gets... Uh, he comes against the knowledge of God, and we have to take down every lie that he says by countering it with what God has said, what his truth is. See, the, the other way that, that you can translate the word stronghold is prison. So not just is it a fortress that you can go in and out of yourself. It is a prison that you and I get imprisoned in, and the only way to tear it down is by coming against Every argument, every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God and bringing God's truth and God's knowledge against that. What we're, what we're doing here is we are taking out what is false and we're replacing it with what is true. We're displacing something. See, that's a law of physics. You can't have two masses in the same space at the same time. So if you've got a, an object that's a lie, that is a stronghold in your mind, the way you get rid of that is you take it out and you replace it with what is true. So let me give you some examples of that as we we see the enemy coming against and challenging God's God's truth. So some examples just from real life. This this may happen in someone's life where you're, you're having trouble in your marriage and you're struggling and you're arguing and things are difficult at home and you go to work and suddenly you, you start realizing that someone there at work is really listening to you and really, really caring about you. And you're having civil conversations, even nice conversations. Man, they, they care about me. And we're not arguing. And we're talking about things we have in common. And we're having fun, like we used to have over here, but it's not happening anymore. So you, we start to think, and thoughts start to take root there. And we start to think, 
I think I would be a whole lot happier if I was with this person than I was with, with my spouse. That can become a stronghold in, in our lives, and we can justify all kinds of things as a result of that, unless we come against that with the knowledge of God. And here's the knowledge of God. Here's what Jesus said. What God has joined together, let no one separate. If God has joined two people together, then let no one separate them. So I don't have the right or ability to separate myself from this person. I have the responsibility to work through whatever it is that we're dealing with and to pray over that and to ask God to bring change and bring us to a point where we're enjoying our relationship again, but not to, to run away. Another, another example, another stronghold that can get into our minds is the idea of how important it is for me to have things, to have a certain amount of money or a certain kind of car or another house at the beach, or or whatever it is, and we think, if I could just get that thing, if I could just amass a little bit more stuff, then I would be happy, I would be fulfilled, I'd be complete, I'd be satisfied. But the, the knowledge of God that takes down that stronghold is something that Jesus said. He said, don't store up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. So see, what we're doing is we're, we're coming against something that may be a long ingrained belief in you. Maybe it got planted there as a child that you're like, man, I guess I've got to have a certain amount or I've got to have a certain amount of security, but our security is found in Christ. Um, one, one more example and this may be true for, for some of us even here in the room. We may look inside the room of our minds or look inside of our hearts and say, my sin is so ugly that God could never forgive me. I mean, I, I know that the Bible says that God forgives sin, and I know, you know, I'm sure he's forgiven all these people that are sitting around me because they look like they got it together, and they're kind of all spiffed up here this morning. They even smell good, and, you know, so I'm, I know that God has forgiven those people, but... But if God saw what's really in the depths of my heart, he could never forgive that. That can become a stronghold for people and imprison you unless you come against that with the knowledge of God that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the strongholds, the prisons in our lives, get taken down the same way they get put up, one brick at a time, by bringing the knowledge of God against what is false. See, the only way we figure out even what is true and what is false is by lining it up against what God says is true. And once, and and here's the challenge, here's the challenge for us as we go out of here today, as we think about what we're thinking about, is whatever that area is in your life that, that seems impossible to change. It just seems like, well, it must be true because it's always felt this way. It's always seemed to be this way. The challenge is to find what, what does God say about that area of my life? What, what does God's truth say about this? And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep coming back. Every time that issue comes up in my life, every time a feeling comes up, every time a thought reminds me of that, I'm going to come back to, well, this is what God says about that. 
And as you do that, you're taking down that stronghold one piece of time. You're, you're using the weapon that God has made available to you that has divine power to destroy the strongholds. This is how we love God with all of our minds. So that nothing, there's no corners of our mind that are off limits to him, but we're saying, God, this, I'm going to love you and honor you with everything that I'm thinking. Those strongholds are strong. Okay, that's, that's why they're called strongholds. They're not going to come down quickly. They're not going to come down easily. It's going to take some work. And you may need some, some help. Maybe you're new to faith or you're new to looking at the Bible and you don't know where to look for a truth that helps you in your particular area and the thing that you're struggling with in your stronghold. If that's the case for you, then let me give you a couple of ideas and suggestions where you can find God's truth that applies to your situation. One would be to come to your group. If you're part of a group here at Grace Point, which we strongly encourage, then bring that to your group. And you don't have to share with your group all the sordid, ugly details of, of your situation, but maybe just share the topic with them. Say, you know, what, what kind of truth do you hold on to related to worry? If worry is a stronghold in your life, what, where would you point me to a verse that would help me with that? If it's not in, in your group, maybe it's a, a friend that you trust, that you know spends time in, in Scripture. Or please feel free to come to any, any of us as pastors, any of us as staff. We would love to help you with that. I, I need to say this, um, and, it, and that is that as we think about filling our minds with truth and displacing false things into our minds, it's not, it's not going to be enough for you if this is all the truth you're getting on Sunday morning is to come here and listen to, to someone else talk to you. That's a good start, but it's only a start. So you are going to need more to feed more. Because see, many of us, we spend lots of hours of our week in entertainment and books and movies and whatever else, and we're, we're constantly getting thoughts that are coming into our minds that are arguments and lofty opinions against the knowledge of God. And so if we're going to have any hope of countering that, we've got to spend time ourselves personally reading what did God say and latching onto those things and countering, engaging in this battle. So no one else can fight that battle for you. This is something that you have to do alone, but we can help you. You, you, can, you have people around you who can help support you, help you find the truth that you need and cheer you on in this battle. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us weapons that are able to, to counter the lies in our world. Thank you that you are able to set us free from the fortresses and the prisons that have gotten set up in our lives in some cases over many, many years and just feel like that there's nothing that could even bring them down, nothing that could change it. But thank you, Lord, that um, your divine power is able to demolish strongholds. And I want to pray over this group of people and these people who are listening today and people who will listen online later. Father, people who are plagued by, tormented by strongholds and prisons in their lives, Lord, would you speak your truth against that? Would you begin to break those strongholds down now so that they can walk in freedom, so that they can love you with more of their mind, so they can love the people around them with more freedom because you have set them free? Jesus, you said in your prayer to the Father, you said your word is truth. And you said the truth will set us free. So we want to walk in that freedom that you have made available to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.